Welcome back, Literary Slummers, to another episode of Shelf Aware, the podcast where we are reading books outside of our comfort zones. I'm Anna. And I'm Em. This week on Shelf Aware, I don't know why I said it so peppily, probably because I feel like this- You're so happy. This episode's going to be garbage, and so I have to try to bring some energy here. Um, this, <laughs> we're so glad to be here this so week. We're so glad to talk about this book. This week, we are starting a new unit- uh, that was kind of literary submitted, sort of. Like a couple people had suggested we do like video game novels. And uh, another listener slash friend of the podcast had suggested we do a novel that we're probably be going to be covering next for this unit. So I'm not going to talk about it right now. But it is TTRPG based novels. So novels yes. that are set in the universe of a tabletop role playing game. So what was your kind of notions of this genre before we got into it? Well, (laughs) I knew that they were going to be, well, I I, I had the assumption that they're going to be heavy on the lore drops, right? Because that's kind of the fun thing about TTRPGs is like you have like this or you can have I mean obviously a lot of people homebrew but you can have like this pre-made world with its own rules and things and you kind of plop your own characters down into it and see what kind of fuckery you get up to Mm. so I was like I expect there to be lore drops and especially with like we we read a book um based in the world of vampire the masquerade like that is so like there's already so many like there's there's video games and um like I don't know, just other like offshoots of the series that like I felt I knew a lot about it. I felt mm-hmm. I had experienced enough about Vampire the Masquerade to know what was going on. Reading this book, I was like, I don't fucking mm-hmm. what, mm-hmm. <laughs> which mm-hmm. is a little bit of a shame. Um, I do think Vampire the Masquerade is like my favorite iteration of vampires in pop culture. Mm-hmm. I love I love the concept. Um, but Mm. Well, how about you? Let's let's put off the book topic first. How about you? With yeah, I think I actually kind of felt a little bit the opposite, where I thought that it mm-hmm. would ease you. Like maybe this was foolish of me. I guess there could be two markets for this, right? It could be yes. fans of the TTRPG, or it could be people who they want to convert to being fans of the TTRPG, right? Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. thought they mm-hmm. would play more towards that second group, that this would be kind of a marketing thing of like, look how fun this book is, don't you want to play the game now sort of thing. Uh-huh, I don't uh-huh. think that's the case, having <laughs> this book. I think it's, <laughs> at least in this particular series, I think it is squarely in camp one of this is meant for people who have enjoyed this franchise and know what the fuck is going on because yeah as you said I certainly did not I know that there yes. are um video games and obviously there are like actual plays and stuff like that of Vampire the Masquerade um I have not really consumed any of that media like I'm a pretty mm-hmm. big TTRPG nerd I watch a lot of actual plays I played several different systems um, I mean, I wrote a fucking system for this podcast for our 150th episode. <laughs> Anna Murphs. Like, Murphs. Um, so, I mean, like, I feel like I am fairly grounded in my TTRPG cred. I just have not happened to, like, do much with Vampire the Masquerade. Um, so I was hella confused for this whole book. Yes. I don't think it helps that this is, like, a follow-up story to, like, a huge in-world event mm. as far as I can tell like um I I haven't read that much into the preceding uh events to this like the whole blood curse and everything yeah. like um but yes I think I think this is just like a novelization of things that this this company who created Vampire the Masquerade is like this this happens now um here's here's a here's a new rpg book about it you know Mm. so and we should say at this point um the book specifically that we read was uh let me get the whole the whole title with the whole clan novel number one toreador by uh stuart wyke wick uh it is the first book in a series of books that a 13 book long yeah that mm-hmm. each book is a different clan from Vampire the Masquerade. Mm-hmm. And each book is supposed to focus on that clan. 
I mm. did not feel like this. I did not did get that, that sense from this either. No. I was confused because many focal characters were not from this clan. It seemed like there were only two members of the clan that were in the book. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So it seems like it kind of did a bad job of doing the thing that it was supposed to do. Yeah. I think this book really struggled with, it is the intro book to a big, like, a big long arc about the eye of... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> the eye, uh, which is like this gross eyeball. Eyeball that I don't know may or may not be evil. Probably is. And um, I think this book just really struggled with being like one its own separate story, and but like tying that to mm-hmm. the overarching story. So I just. Yeah, it didn't it didn't work for me. No. Unfortunately, which is a shame. I was really excited about this one. I know cuz like it seems like it would be fun, but then everything that I was kind of looking forward to about this book, it almost was like, no, cuz mm-hmm. sexy vampires and then they're like vampires don't fuck actually. And I'm like, "Oh, okay. All right. I guess that's fine." Yeah, sure. Sure, okay. And then they're like, "Oh, vampires doing politics and I'm like oh okay great love it but I don't understand any of the politics and oh you're not going to explain oh okay we're just we're just rolling right along okay gotcha yep Uh uh-huh uh-huh so like or you know like vampires you know feeling like having been turned and having to make their way in this new no we're not gonna do that either it's just gonna be kind of vampires who have just been vampires and don't really remember what it's like Mm -hmm. to be human and we're not gonna get into that and i'm like oh okay like so there's none of the moral questions of being a vampire that like would be interesting to me it's just kind of like this is just what it is um it's just kind of fun to be a vampire you know what yeah i mean yeah except it wasn't it wasn't fun to be a vampire in this book It seemed like some of them were having a good time, but we were uh, too invested in the upper echelon. Plus, like, I guess Atlanta is kind of a, uh, I don't know, just like, it's 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 more of an up-and-coming vampire town mm-hmm. as opposed to L.A., where vampires just are. I, I think Leopold was kind of supposed to be, like, our, our reader stand-in for, like, here's here's someone who's relatively new to vampires and the masquerade and everything. But, like, um, he wasn't that Leopold new. was just a, um, yeah, he's not that new, first of all. And secondly, this dude was just boring. Mm-hmm. He was like, I don't want to get involved with anything. All I care about is my sculptures, and apparently they're bad anyway. So like, <laughs> They were, like, good but not great. Because there's, yeah. there's a line where someone says... Like, it was obvious that it must have been made by another Toreador because it wasn't bad enough that she could have brought the sculpture there to mock him, right? Yeah. So it's like, they're fine, but they're not, like, They're not. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I feel like there was a uh, character that could have been a good viewpoint character, both for this book and, like, could have tied other books into it, too, because there's the Mm -hmm. one um, vampire without a clan or whatever. Yeah. What is her name? Stella? Yeah. And I think that there's, like, some new rule that's happened about how all the clanless vampires have to, like, get added to clans, I think, that's mentioned briefly. They want to, yeah. Mm -hmm. So we could have done that and have it be, like, that vampire keeps getting passed between the clans as she tries to figure out which clan she actually belongs to, right? And that could have mm-hmm. been, like, the whole fucking series. But no, it was, like, because she's newly turned. She doesn't know as much about the clans. Like, that would be a good, you know, reader stand-in character for, uh, you know, someone who ha- was coming to this book without knowing anything about Vampire the Masquerade. Which, again, again yeah. is back to my point that I think clearly the fact that Leopold is the stand-in is... This is very much meant to appeal to people who play Vampire the Masquerade already, which I can't blame them for that. I mean, that makes yeah, sense. Like, yeah. Yeah. My only experience with it is playing Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines, mm. um, which I haven't done in a while and have never beat. But it is very fun and I like it. Mm. It's a good game. Get it on Steam. I also did feel a little bit that this book series did give me a t- or book in this series, it did give me a TTRPG experience in that it felt like 
being at a table with the sort of DM that you hear horror stories about. Uh, yeah. Like, why do we have well, to talk about... Well, you fucked up, so now everyone's going to die by this people I, you can't kill. I didn't actually have this planned out, this plot line, so we're just going to have a new thing happen. Also, I'm going to talk about every single female NPC's body in depth. In a weird way. <laughs> yeah, I... I read a review for this book because I was just kind of curious what other people mm-hmm. thought. Um, and this and this person who who was a fan of uh, Vampire the Masquerade in general was like, this book reads as a bodice ripper and then like was kind of derogatory about romance novels in general. But the point being that like uh, there is a lot of attention and, and flowery language around the women's bodies and then like... I don't know for no purpose, really. Right, and the, but that's um, not a romance trope. It's not a romance. Op- no, like that's a male gaze trope. It's very yeah. Weird. Like, it was it, it was not a good review or one that I agreed <laughs> with. I mean, I agreed with it that the book was like right. not great, but it was like yeah, it just went off. It it's like one of those trashy three dollar paperbacks you buy at the grocery line. Like first of all, you could be so lucky to be just right there at the grocery line. Like <laughs> <laughs> three dollars, amazing. Three dollars, man. Um, but yeah, also, also that's not what makes a romance novel. That's just, that's just men. Right. <laughs> that's just, sorry. Maybe you should look inward there, <laughs> reviewer. I'm just... Well, let's, I guess, um, get our like other two segments out of the way. And that way we can talk more about, I guess this, maybe this book, maybe some stuff about vampire, the masquerade, maybe <laughs> vampires in general. This book, this, this, when we say that, like, we didn't care for this book and that it was a lot of missed opportunities, it is because nothing happens mm. in the first 66% of this book. Nothing's going on. It's just a lot of people thinking about their plans yes, a lot. Thinking about what they're going to do. And then the last, like, third or so is sort of confusing action scenes and and some stuff is going on so i mean we'll get there when we get there but it's not going to be a very long conversation <laughs> very much a typical rpg ttrpg format of everyone sitting around and talking about the plan mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for two hours and then going and doing the thing and having it go horribly wrong and in it minutes, immediately you know? goes wrong <laughs> like so i mean i guess in that way they did they did successfully replicate the experience yes yes so, okay, so would we would we recommend this book to anybody? Who who would be good for reading this? I would say maybe the one the one person I might recommend this to mm-hmm. is if you are playing Vampire the Masquerade for mm-hmm. I know I just said it didn't make sense to me cuz I haven't played before, but <laughs> but we want to. We do want to. If you're playing <laughs> Vampire the Masquerade uh for the first time, and you want to get the vibe of your clan, maybe read the associated clan. And just because yeah. I feel like that's the one thing that you can kind of take away from this is like, okay, I do get the vibe of what the Toreador are, right? Like yes. little uh-huh. little artsy fartsy types who can't make up their minds. Like, okay, I got it. And someone's going to be like, no, that's absolutely not what they are. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> but that's what this was, they were in this book. So if you want to just kind of get the idea of your specific clan that you want to belong to um then it might work yeah yeah i agree um also like maybe if you're a fan already Mm. um and you want to make the commitment of reading the 13 book long thing um i do i do think that could be very entertaining for some just know it is very very slow start but the end, there is some kind of like interesting things that happen that could maybe compel you to continue on the series. From what I've heard, there's like, I think this person, the author Stewart, does come back and he writes another book later mm. in the series. And so, I mean, just like every single long ass book series, you're going to have some ups and you're going to have some downs. Um, so, you know, there there could be a payoff somewhere further down the line. I don't think I'm going to take the time personally to explore that as much as I like this world. Um but there's certainly an audience for this type of book, yeah. especially if you're like a little goth nerd. This is perfect for you. <laughs> these were written in the 90s, right? Or the early 2000s? 1999, yeah. I think. Yeah. And I mean, the TTRPG space in general has changed so much since then. Yes, it's much more mainstream now. And yeah. more um, open to 
people with two X chromosomes. Uh, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I don't like. I'm like <laughs> not I don't, just bodies. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe like find something. I'm sure someone has written a Vampire the Masquerade novel more recently that would be not this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I actually did play a um a um um oh shit what are those called sorry One let shot. me look up no 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 uh they're like the oh those choice of games i don't oh, know yeah. if if you're familiar with it's like an app you can download mm-hmm. um that has like a bunch of basically choose your own adventure novels but with a, a wide variety of themes and plots and yada 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 there is a vampire the masquerade actually there's a few vampire the masquerade ones on there the one i played specifically was where you like play as a courier um and uh it's like a six hundred and fifty thousand long word novel which like you know with alternate paths and everything it's not really that long but i i really liked that uh, yeah. i got really into that i um so there's there's certainly vampire the masquerade works out there for people to digest that is not this perhaps mm. speaking of things that you read that weren't this mm-hmm. yeah what else have you been reading what else have i been reading um i'm currently reading portrait of a thief by grace d lee uh which is a book about a bunch of college students asian american college students um who are recruited to steal Chinese artwork from British and American, mm. white European, essentially, um, museums around the world and take them back home. So I'm super excited about this. Um, we also saw recently, yes. and I both did, saw everything everywhere all at once. Um, I'm just, I'm absolutely loving this like influx of asian media in my life at this particular moment um everything everywhere all at once was the most perfect film i've ever seen in my life go see it in theaters if possible rakakuni <laughs> i don't want to overhype this movie but it is my favorite movie that i've seen in theaters in the last several years i don't believe i'll ever see a movie greater than this one <laughs> i will overhype it i don't care <laughs> uh yeah, how about you? What are you reading? Um, a lot of historical romance, thanks to the fact that we read one historical romance for this podcast, mm-hmm. and that put me into a fugue state in which I had to consume only historical romances. But I've mainly recommended those <laughs> authors before. So uh-huh. um, I also read a novella called Flowers for the Sea by Zen E. Rocklin, which, okay. um, like, huge trigger warnings for, like, birth related stuff um but it's like a horror um, novel i'm confused i truly thought that this was uh still a historical romance no i'm so sorry no it is not <laughs> no, a historical romance i was like okay yeah I'm i try- get it it's hard to have to have given birth in historical time oh it's a horror okay yeah it's a horror novella i maybe should say that um i also read how high we go in the dark by uh sequoia nagamatsu which you would not like I okay, will good. say that right Thank off you the for top. telling me. But it is a sci fi y sort of book that is told in like anthology format, more or less, where it's like each story is indiv- like there's a bunch of individual stories, but they all connect mm-hmm. um, and they more or less go in order. But it starts with a, a research team in the Antarctic, Arctic, can't remember which, um, that finds a like long dead prehistoric child buried in the ice and they like excavate her and um she has a virus that then infects the world and Mm. um so again heavy warnings for anybody who has issues with uh plague content which is a lot of people these days can't imagine why and then also it gets it's very heavily dealing with death obviously and specifically child death especially because it's like mainly affecting kids in the first wave so like Mm -hmm. the first story aside from the prologue about like finding the girl in the ice um the first like actual story story Uh, I nearly had to stop reading the book because it's about like, you know, the euthanasia coaster that was like theorized a while ago. It's like to deal with the plague. They do that. And again, it's mainly kids. So like it is hard to read. Um, So huge trigger warnings for all of that. But 
Um, I really liked the overall like themes and the kind of like way it built on itself and how you could like see the stories connecting. And then it has kind of like an interesting sci-fi twist at the end where you're like, oh, huh. okay, I get it. I don't know if it fully worked, (laughs) but like it was good. It was a fun ride, you know, aside from the child death. Uh, yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> it was weird because usually, like, y'all know that I very easily cry at books, but usually it's, like, the end of a book. And it was weird because I was, like, basically trying not to cry in the first part of this book, and then it got a lot easier from there. And I was like, oh. But also, that uh, is following the book itself as people become more desensitized to death as this plague goes on. So it's like, oh, oh, you see, oh gosh. You see what they did there? You see what happened? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Interesting. Anyway, check it out, but not you, Anna. <laughs> but not me specifically. That does sound too difficult for me. <laughs> I guess let's talk a little bit. Um, I don't know how to start. We Do start? we want to talk about like what what is kind of the conceit of Vampire the Masquerade for those that don't know? Yeah. Let's have me, a person who's never played it and only yeah. read this book, explain it to you right Okay, now. go ahead. Okay. Done. Do it. So there are vampires and... Uh-huh. They, the first vampire was maybe Cain or maybe his grandchildren. Not sure. Mm -hmm. Unclear. (laughs) Cain was the first murderer and definitely the grandchildren were vampires. But I'm not clear if Cain was a vampire or not. But also. Neither are some vampires. Also Cain for the vampires is spelled with an E at the end. Don't know why that's important, but it's brought up in this book. Um, Okay. So those are the vampires. And then they, you know, do vampire things. Um. When you turn someone into a vampire, it's called the Embrace, I believe, with a capital mm-hmm. E. Okay. Um, and you can turn someone into a vampire. Okay. You can turn someone into a vampire by you have to get rid of all of their blood and then have them drink your blood. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. If they just drink some blood and they're not a vamp or they're they're not fully de-blooded first, they become a ghoul, I think. Um, which is like a human that lives forever as long as they keep drinking vampire blood and does stuff for the vampires during the day because they can't go out. Question mark. Maybe. Yeah, that sounds right. That's also sounds like the way better deal, right? Like just have me be absolutely just be a ghoul. That's fine. I'll definitely like because they're like they don't have to sleep anymore. So like I would have to like do errands for a vampire during the day. But like, what are they gonna do? Like they're not gonna be able to check on me. So like, fuck you. Um, and then I can. What are they gonna do? Like (laughs) I can just party all night. They're gonna like did you deliver that message? I'm like yeah, totally. What are they going to do? They don't know. They were asleep. Who cares? <laughs> um, okay, so there's the ghouls and there's the vampires, which you have to get all your blood out and then drink vampire blood to become a vampire. Uh-huh. Seems uh-huh. unlikely that that would work, but whatever. Okay, so the vampires are split, I believe, into two overall factions. And the two factions are the something with the C, and I want to say chlamydia, but I know that's wrong. The camar- Camarilla, uh-huh. I think. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's Camarilla or Camarilla. Who can, who can say? They're <laughs> who the ones say? who are like, we like the masquerade. Masquerade is good. And the masquerade yes. is like pretending that vampires don't exist, right? So they're mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. let's be masqueraded. Okay, yes. great. And then there's another faction, and they're called something else. <laughs> there's two more factions. There's two there's, more? There's the Anarchs. And the uh, Sabbat. Okay, I thought the Anarchs were part of the Camarilla. I thought they were, mm. like, just the spicy ones. The spicy ones. <laughs> the ones were like, okay, we'll do it, but we don't like it. <laughs> I think the Anarchs are, like, uh, I don't know what their whole deal is, other than that they don't like the Camarilla. Um, or Camarilla. Sorry. Sorry, everybody. I don't know which it is. Let me see if I can find online real quick. Uh Okay, Camarilla Sabat. Okay, I guess it. Or, it's either or, Camarilla or Camarilla. Oh, perfect. That makes all that's, lives easy. That's good. All right. This is according to a Reddit post on the White Wolf RPG subreddit. So it could, depending on the source material, it could be Camarilla or Camarilla. I'll right. probably say Camarilla because I'll probably say Camarilla. So good, 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 good. <laughs> Those years of Spanish, you know. <laughs> I think that Anarchs, from my understanding, is that they respect the masquerade, but they don't like the Camarilla. Right, which is why I thought they were just like Camarilla, but like subset. Like, I thought they were like 
not a full different faction. But I'm probably yeah. I, I realize I'm probably wrong, but that's what it I'm could wrong. be both. It could the be way both. this book presented it, it was like they were their own or like they were strong enough to be their own separate thing. Mm. But you know, maybe it could just be like I'm secretly an anarch here in the Camarilla society, you know? Yeah. I don't know. It seemed it I thought yeah. it was like a political faction within the Camarilla, but like could be. Again, probably I'm just wrong. <laughs> Okay, and the so, Sabbat are like fuck the masquerade. Yes, the fuck Sabbat the are like, which it seems like it would be really easy to win that by just going on TV, just showing right? up, like just stopping <laughs> you. I don't understand. It truly seems like they're very op, especially in this book. Uh-huh. So like, they could just have their way. You could just do it. What you are you? Could just do it. I'm sure someone's gonna be like, well, actually, you know, because of the blood poisoning of the 1998, and that like, no, <laughs> shut up. Um, okay, so that's the two major sections. Yes, and if yeah. you thought that were the three major sections, and then if you thought that was confusing, get ready because here comes the next part where we then split that into another 13 clans. 13 clans. Now here's my question: the yeah. clans are just Camarilla, or are they? Can, like, you be a Sabbat and then also be, like, a Nosferatu? Or is it, like... That I wasn't sure of. Because the Sabbat seemed to be, like, real fucked up, right? Like, they were real ugly and stuff. Like, because it definitely seems like it's, like, like a class-race situation, to put it in D&D terms, for, like... I think there's a Bruja who's also an Anarch, right? Uh, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, like, but then, like, there's also Bruja that are Camarilla, right? Or am I crazy? Uh, yes. No, that is correct. Okay. So then that makes it seem like you can be any combination of the 13 clans and the three political alliances. Yeah. But also, like, it seems like there aren't any of the clans under the, like, it seems like the Sabbat is a whole different thing. So, like, I don't understand. I don't either. And I'm trying to like, oh, let's see. Uh, are the Sabat clans. <laughs> okay. So this says on the White Wolf Wiki, the Sabat sees, it's, uh, let's see, Sabat consists mostly of clans. Oh, it starts with a TZ, IMISE, and La, La Sombra. Okay. So maybe certain clans okay but so but that does seem like it's a like it's there's you have to pick both right like you have to have like you aren't automatically camaria just because you are whatever clan right you can yeah be, yeah, yeah, yeah okay yeah, yeah. so yes i think the clans just kind of denote like what your main power is yeah, they're like the houses in harry potter or the houses in midnight for charlie bone yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, so there's 13 clans. I'm certainly not going to remember most of them, but the ones okay. I do remember, I will tell you. There's Toreador, which is the title of this book, and they're like the artsy ones. Great mm-hmm. for that. They're the artsy, seductive ones. They're like the bards. Yeah, excellent. Um, there's the Nosferatu, who are the ugly ones. They're just ugly. They're just ugly, and it sucks to be in that group, I guess. You can't even travel above ground if you're a Nosferatu. It's you sad. You just have to be gross and nasty. You have to live in the sewers and be ugly. <laughs> what a sad what a sad existence. 100% if we ever play this game, I'm going to be a Nosferatu. Absolutely. <laughs> um, okay. So then there's uh I'm like flipping through the book to try to pull up some more. Um Would you like me to give you some one starts with an Give me some and I'll tell you what their their okay. vibe is. Okay, the Malkavians. The Malkavians are... The, These are my favorite. The Malkavians are the unhinged ones. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just crazy is the thing. Yeah, they, they're basically like uh, <laughs> just not fully in this in present, in the present time. They're just always thinking about other things and just weird stuff comes out of their mouths and another great clan to be, I guess. Yes. Yeah. They're they're kind of my favorite to play in the games because you do get very funny dialogue options. Oh, fantastic. Yes. Uh you've got the Ventru. Uh those the are Ventru. like the Gryffindors. They're like the the main <laughs> ones. They're the main character syndrome. Like Yeah. They're like the tryhards. They're the yeah. ones that are always end up being bosses. Essentially. Except they're not the boss of Atlanta. That's a Malkavian, right? 
Uh, the Prince of Malkavia, or sorry, the Prince of Atlanta is a Malkavian. Yeah. Yes. So like, how'd that happen? Don't know. Don't care. I don't know, man. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a Tremere. Uh, the Tremere are magic? Question mark. Yeah. Okay. Great. They do blood magic, I think. And then I thought the Bruja, which is probably supposed to be Bruja, because it's probably. And I think it's Bruja. Okay. The Bruja I thought would be the magic ones, because that makes the most sense, because it's basically just the yeah, Spanish word for Bruja, witch. Though. But they seem to be like the soldiery ones. Is that their thing? They're like uh, they're the they're like the rebellious ones. Okay. And I guess that can make them like. They have very bad tempers. Mm, yeah, that was kind of the vibe I was picking up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also mentioned in this book were the gan- gangrels. Oh, God. What even were those? They're like feral. <laughs> Why are there so many vampires that that's like trait is gross and we don't like them? Like, yeah. Why? <laughs> I think think this is the clan that when they embrace i could be wrong i think this is the clan that when they embrace they like purposefully make it painful and a horrific experience i don't like them i don't want to be one of them Mm -hmm. um okay so there's also some other clans but those are the main ones in this book yes yeah okay so then i took a personality quiz on Uh worldofdarkness.com which seems to be a semi-official or the official vampire the masquerade website and i got toreador (sighs) makes sense though yeah um (laughs) okay so there's the clans there's the political alliances there's Mm -hmm. also other words of note to note is that vampires call themselves kindred and non-vampires are kind Mm -hmm. cool there's also rankings based on how many generations you are removed from cain which like yeah seems to more or less equate to age because obviously it would but like doesn't necessarily have to um Mm -hmm. also there's a specific name for really powerful old vampires and i can't remember what that is Mm. uh i'll know it if i see it yeah it was like the vesuvians or something but that's not it the valtruvians the antediluvians there it is (laughs) anti antediluvians yeah yeah they're like the fourth generation or third generation or something third generation with incalculable power so they're like really beefy vampires um yes but they are kind of assumed dead or fake mm -hmm. but mm, the sabat are like "Uh, uh, uh." we gotta destroy those bitches anyway so that's i think everything in the world of vampire the mask yeah i've explained it perfectly much and now you can all play yeah now you all know um (laughs) uh pretty much this book really was very uh i don't even want to say philosophical because it was it was just like the musings of the characters yeah and they weren't interesting musings. And they, they were weren't very interesting repetitive. <laughs> there was one part where I was like, okay, Victoria, that's kind of an interesting thing. Uh, but then it just became not. So, was it the heaven hell door? Yeah. So it's like, this uh, and is- her desire for like a random test to see if she was being mind controlled. Again, it all just felt so much like a DM who was like, plot hook plot hook plot hook and the player's like okay yeah we're vibing we're going along and then the dm was like oh fuck i didn't figure out like a good ending to this mystery so here deal with this for a while while i figure it out right a flip side dm presents the party with two very innocuous doors and the party has decided one of them is a trap and they can only go through one there's no trap but they spend three hours contemplating whether or not they should go through the heaven door or the hell door yeah yeah It was it was a lot. Um, so I guess let's talk about some of the characters because that's all this was. It was like a character study essentially until the last ten percent. So we got Leopold. He is a toreador. He's a sculptor by trade. He likes to work with clay because wood feels too alive. Okay, sure. <laughs> okay, sure. Um, his thing though, he can sculpt kind, but he cannot sculpt kindred. He has a, some sort of block. Uh, whether it is psychological or an actual like magical block someone has put on him that he cannot he cannot sculpt vampires i mean it's got to be psychological right because like at one point this is mommy issues this is mommy issues because at one point 
he uh, tries to, he talks about how he sculpts a vampire without knowing they're a vampire. And then they say like, oh, I'm a vampire. And he's like, oh, fuck. Which, how did that happen? How did that situation come about, my dude? (laughs) Yes. Um, And he also at one point does kind of go into a fugue state and he's able to sculpt his, his creator his mommy but he, the thing is he doesn't know who his mommy is uh he only has like flashes of memory about her and so from that memory he goes into a fugue state to try and sculpt her and the person he sculpts is victoria ash who is the other kind of like main toreador vampire in this book and i don't i don't under i didn't leopold is such a fucking sad sack i was like i don't i don't care don't care about you. I don't care about your desire to know where you came from. I don't care that you don't want to get involved in politics because you're too afraid. And he goes he goes to another vampire, a Tremere vampire, very, very powerful, to be like, can you tell me who my mommy is? And she's like, let me do some magic. And I'm just like, I don't, the magic is cool, but Leopold, just, just get on with your life, man. I was fine with leopold until he sculpted his mommy and then made out with her face made out and with her clay face it and real hard <laughs> real hard like what leopold's got some stuff to work through for That's certain not gonna can you imagine though if you were a sculptor and then you made out with your clay statue and then tongued it and then like you pulled back it's gonna look a mess it's gonna look Absolutely. real bad and then Absolutely. you're gonna have to explain that to people <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. They're like everything looks really great and precise, Leopold, except for here in the mouth where the it's just open too far and the lips look wrong. Like what there's kinda like this weird like pattern on on like yeah. part of the skin it's where it's smushed here. It looks like taste buds almost. Like what's going on? <laughs> I just love my mom a I lot. I just love my mommy. I just love my mommy. <laughs> then we have let's Victoria Ash, who is the the primogen is that the word I'm looking for? Yes. I think so. Yes. The Primogen Toreador, which means like the top ranking Toreador in Atlanta. She's hosting a party with the intention of that she wants to take down the current prince, the current head vampire of all the vampires in Atlanta and become that person herself. The prince is the prince is a Confederate war general. Hey, dope. And Love this her for plan us. Is I will get all of the black vampires mad at him, and they'll they'll kill him for me, which okay, 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 all right, all right. It's like you're trying to do something there with rice. Uh, yeah, I don't. Mm, no, I don't think so. I don't think that's what we wanted to do here. Yeah, I don't There's think that two- was good two confederate war generals at this party well there's one confederate war general and one who claimed he was a confederate war that's general. that's true and they and call him the general may or may not be we're not sure. and he spends the whole party so i guess like vampires can gain the ability to sink into the earth okay and he lived this, in a mountain for a while because that's another thing about vampires he lived in stone mountain was that they can go into like hibernation for a bit yes the uh what is it called the not the torpor torpor yeah uh so (laughs) this guy the general he spends the and he finds a a statue he likes because that's the whole party right the party is i got all my friends here at the penthouse of this art museum to look at these sculptures that i've picked out that all depict cain and abel Okay. I'm also very confused about the, like, I know they say that a lot of the vampires of Atlanta have died because of the blood curse. Blood, yeah. Blood curse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure how many there were before, but literally Twelve. the only Toreador that are mentioned in this book are the two that we've mentioned, Leopold and mm-hmm. um, Victoria. Victoria. Ash. I was going to say Amelia and I was like, that's not right. Um, <laughs> Leopold and Victoria. So, how many vampires are there? Because it kind of seems like there's maybe like ten total in Atlanta. Yeah. And I'm like, this is this is not you don't nah, this is not enough people to have this many statues to look at. Yeah, it, it I... seemed like it was like a huge big gathering, but then it's like there's no people there. I don't there's know. Like, yeah, maybe maybe considering all the other like extra people, maybe like twenty five people. Yeah, at this party. I don't know. It didn't seem very populated. Um. <laughs> 
but maybe it, maybe the intention there was for it to be. I don't know. <laughs> the general finds a statue he likes, and he literally just becomes one with the statue, but makes the statue make a funny face. Cool. Dope. Cool. So that's Victoria's whole thing, is she just watches people at the party. She has this paranoia of being mind-controlled by another more powerful vampire and not realizing it. So she often conducts these, like, tests of randomness. Like, her test of the evening was if the next person who comes up the elevator chooses to go through the door marked hell, I will choose the opposite door, the door marked heaven, and I will go through that, and that will mean my plan goes through however if they go through the door called heaven i have to walk through the door called hell and i that means the plan is off so she's definitely she's definitely not all there um (laughs) also that this seems like a theme with these vampires because leopold has the same thing where he's like oh like he has a memory of being turned and he's like i think someone modified that memory i don't think that is this a big function of the game vampire the masquerade just being like I don't know. Maybe my backstory is fake. You know, that seems like super not fun. You have to like roll checks to make sure someone's not fucking with your head all the time. Like that seems yeah, not, not good. That, not to my understanding, but maybe they are just very paranoid. I don't know. Maybe. I'm just like, is that, is this game just about gaslighting your players? <laughs> Could be. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, then I guess. I, the uh, there's like other people at this party but they're not super important we can talk about them i guess we've got uh well lady hannah is the uh, i don't know if she's the primogen of the tremere clan or if she's just really high up there she's but also she not at the party and also not at the party though but yeah <laughs> she's like this powerful uh magic person who is gonna help leopold find his mommy and then like she wants her her payment for this service is she wants him to sculpt her, uh, but from memory. And she's like, memorize my body. And she gets naked in front of him. And then he like, just paws at her to memorize her body. This book was written by a man. Uh, truly. <laughs> I was really expecting a sex scene, but no, it was just, uh, he goes, he, he, she's the perfect body. Her face is so plain. She's such a plain woman in the face, but her body's perfect. Just like so a model. beautiful. He never would get to sculpt a body like this because they're too busy being on runways. Mm-hmm. There's also like this weird thing about weight in this book where they talk about Victoria being like more curvy and how she wouldn't be fit for modeling on the runway, but she's like beautiful in that sort of like curvy way. Classic like, beauty. Can you stop please with this? Please. I'm begging you. Just stop. I just, every single female character in this book is described like intensely in terms of their figure and how much they weigh and yeah. where their curves it's are. It's like, I, uh, I hate this. And the men just the men should, no, we don't we don't get that with the men. Nobody No, we get nothing. Mm-hmm. No hardly any description about them. Like at first I was like I was kind of glad because this book did make a point to like talk about everyone's skin color and like not just the people of color but like they would be like this person was Caucasian or whatever and I was like that's kind of interesting. Um but apparently it was all just so that Victoria could start some kind of race war anyway. So, like... Just so we know. Just so we got it locked in. Who's yeah. who. But that's pretty much the only description we get of the men. Is, like, the yeah. color of their skin. Maybe what they're wearing. I think, but it's mostly, like, how important are they? I think Leopold gets a little bit more of a description. Just because he's talking about, like, how he would have fit in as, like, a person. A poor man. A poor artist. And whatever. Except for, like, certain features. And... He talks about his hair and stuff like that. So, I mean, like, I think he gets a little bit more, but he's also a viewpoint character. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's very cool and fun for everyone. <laughs> we also have this guy named Vagel. 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 I can't remember what clan he's from now, though. I, it's one of the fighty ones. Is he? I'm looking through it now to see the text. Boss's name is Hersha. Hersha. Setite? Yes, but is. Yeah, but then that's like not one of the clans I see on the list here. Let me look. But it's one of the books. Yeah. So. Interesting. 
Maybe it's a non-playable clan. <laughs> Let me Google this. Oh, okay. So it's Setite. The ministry, also called the Ministry of Set, followers of Set or Setites are a clan of vampires who believe their founder was the Egyptian god Set. Okay. okay. So that's him. He's like some fighty guy. Um, he He's at this party kind of admiring the art. And then he gets, he gets a, he's there to meet one of the Nosferatu guys named Rolf, who is just an ugly guy. He's just an um, ugly guy, but I keep forgetting her name. Victoria wants uh -huh. him there because I guess the Nosferatu are like very politically minded, or like she secretly. Se no one yeah. expects an ugly person to be able to think in this book. Apparently, she's like, I need the Nosferatu on my side, even though I hate looking at his ugly face. She Victoria is so passionate about hating how ugly Rolf is. It is very sad. I'm surrounded by beautiful art and I have to look at this man. I have to look at this ugly vampire. Disgusting. But no one would expect someone as ugly as that to have the mind of a politician. Anyway. Huh. <laughs> Vagel is there to meet, to meet Rolf. And Rolf is like, hey, um... Our clan owes a lot to your clan from events that happened hundreds of years ago. Mention them and your boss will be like, oh, yeah, they do. Um, in order to repay that debt, we, the Nosferatu, have a gift for you to give to your boss. Bagel's like, what is it? And Rolf is like, there's an eyeball in this statue called the Eye of... Yep. That's it. What? It's basically like uh, the evil eye. You know, like the evil eye, right? The eye of Hazamel might be the evil eye, the artifact that served as the basis for all the silly posturing of the Roma people and superstitious simpletons. Not that we're equating the two. That's just in the text, and they don't use the word that I use. Um <laughs> So it's like this really powerful artifact. Uh, and they had hid it in the statue of Abel. And Rolf basically plucks out Abel's eye. And it's no longer a statue. It's like a, it's like a magical little eyeball. And he's like, here, Vagel, take this. I'm going to show you a secret shortcut out of here. And you run and take this to your boss. And Rolf is, and and Vagel is like, why why won't I why wouldn't I just go downstairs and get in my car? and go home and Rolf is like don't worry about your car your chauffeurs you'll never see him again and Vagel's like this all feels normal and good I will follow Rolf's direction why would why would someone saying you'll never see your chauffeur again reassure you it doesn't, I have doesn't no idea and Vagel doesn't think about this until until it's way too late oh that that was a threat Oh, yeah. I get it now. Shit. I shouldn't have trusted <laughs> Rolf. Um, the thing that made me mad about this book is like all of the action centered around people that weren't in the Toreador clan. Uh -huh. Yeah, 100%. So it's like, why didn't Leopold get the eye? Or like, why didn't Victoria get the eye to go give to somebody? Why does it have to be this dude we're introduced to in this book and then, spoiler, spoiler alert, dies? I mean, like, Leopold does <laughs> get the eye eventually. Right? He gets Leopold, yeah, Leopold does get at the end, but, like, we don't get enough of that. Because this is where the story should have started, in my out opinion. very good hiding place. <laughs> Dead on the ground next to him. <laughs> oh, my God. This is where the book should have started, right? Like, this book should have been, Leopold finds the eyeball, and then we have to watch this, like, relatively new vampire kind of stumble about yeah. trying to figure out what to do with it. That's a great start to this novel. Not 200 pages of, like, well, I wish I could sculpt today. I wish All I, I made were a version of Cain and Abel where they have giant heads because they're babies. I wish I knew my mommy so I might make out with her. 
I would love to kiss my mummy on the lips. But nothing more. With tongue. Because as Victoria states, you, I guess male vampires can't get erections unless magic is involved. Yes, that, yep, <laughs> yeah. All right. Sad. <laughs> I'm just oh, saying, well, I feel when... like I would want to be a ghoul. Like, I don't know why. Absolutely. <laughs> It's too much work for a female vampire to have to to like find a penis that works in her own like group like group of uh, acquaintances. Where is the lesbian vampire clan? Clearly, that is Good what question. is needed. Good question. Um, <laughs> Vagel goes through like all of these underground sewers and stuff that the Nosferatu have to use. And when he pops up, he's immediately ambushed by a group of Sabbat, which we as the readers kind of knew was coming because there was this like maybe B plot. I don't fucking know. This is random Ven- Venture, Ventru, whatever that fucking clan is. Guy had a couple of chapters. He's just basically mm-hmm. rich man, angry that his his subordinates aren't doing their job quickly enough. And then he gets this shit rocked by the Sabbat and kidnapped, I guess. So we knew the Sabbat were around in the book. Which we absolutely didn't need those chapters. No, so, like, absolutely not. You could have just had someone talk about it. But also it was so infuriating how this book was structured because it's split into three parts. And there are part one is Leopold, part two is Victoria, and part three is the eye. So you mm-hmm. would think that each part would like just have that person as the center. Like if you're going to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. do different POVs, that all of Leopold's POV should be in the Leopold section and then Victoria's in the Victoria yes. and then like mixed in the eye or something. That would make sense. But it no, it's like such a weird choice. Leopold and also this other random Venturu in his section and then Victoria and Leopold and this other dude in Victoria's section and then just like everybody in Bagel the eye. and Rolf in the. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's very silly. It's very silly. Why did you bother doing that? Like the I have no idea. It's not like Leopold's story came to a conclusion and in his. It's not like Victoria's. No, it was came like the very conclusion. beginning of right. Leopold's journey. So I'm like, why did the book not start here in this section? It would have been so much better. Very silly. Very poorly structured. Extremely. <laughs> so Vagel is Vagel is ambushed by the Sabbat. He immediately knows who they are and knows that he is doomed. But he's like, I'm gonna take a couple of these guys out with me. They do fight, fight, fight. And um, you know, Vagel gets some good hits in, but the Sabbat are very powerful and they they capture him and they're trying to squeeze him to death. Mm-hmm. But Vagel is like, I have one more trick up my sleeve. Do you want to know what his trick was to get away from these guys? He became slippery like a snake and slipped out of his clothes and ran away naked. I am sure that that is a feat or something, some of the equivalent that you can take in Vampire the Masquerade. <laughs> It was like, oh, shit, I just rubbed off my eyeliner. It was, like, described as, like, this ancient technique. He had one more one more trick he could do. Got naked and ran away. <laughs> and he ran away so good that they could not find him. And so Vagel hid under a car until those guys went away. But at this point, Vagel is, like, very weak. He has lost a lot of blood. Um, as in, as in, you know, humans, blood in a body is very important to a vampire. That's where they draw their, their, their power from. Um, so he can't like really heal his injuries or anything. Cause they kind of drained a lot of his blood just from like shooting him and punching him and stuff. So he's like, I don't know what to do. I don't have enough energy to, to fight those guys again. I don't, I don't know if I can make it to, uh, a shelter in time so that the sun doesn't melt me or whatever. So I guess this eye, the eye that they were looking for, it was in the pocket of my coat. They did not search my coat when they left. They just got really mad that I was no longer in my clothes and then they ran, they, they left. Okay. The eye is still there. He's like, I guess my only option is to rip out one of my own eyes and put this eye in my head. And then he does that and immediately dies. Well, and he specifically thinks like, he's like, I, at least I can hide it so they won't be able to find it. Right. Yes. Because he hit it real good. <laughs> like if you're looking for an eyeball, where's the first place you're going to look in someone's skull, buddy? Like that's where <laughs> eyeballs live. 
That's where eyeballs live. It's their natural habitat, my dude. It's not a good not a hiding in plain sight situation. If someone has an eyeball that looks unusual, you're gonna notice. Especially if you rip out your own eyeball. Like, they come to search your body. Because this is literally what happens with Leopold. He doesn't even know about the eyeball. He sees you have a missing eyeball on the ground and is like, huh, weird. A random eyeball. Better look at the eyeballs in his head because probably he's missing one. Oh, one of them's his normal eyeball. Eyeball, and one's a weird fucking eyeball like this is the opposite <laughs> better take that <laughs> you, I, uh... you, you made an escape room style clue to where the eyeball was by ripping oh out God. your own eyeball and putting it just leave it in your coat pocket they didn't just check in there your coat pocket they clearly aren't gonna go back and look there just eat it i just just eat like it I said this is this eat would the be eyeball. so much so much more forgivable if it was the end of the, or the beginning mm-hmm. of the book and not the end of this like 200 and some page dry dry boring <laughs> <laughs> so boring experience oh my god so that happens with vagal upstairs the sabat have also attacked the party uh pretty much everyone dies Victoria gets away because she has like a sneaky little room, panic room situation where she was spying on people from. So she goes into there and then she runs away and she makes it out. There's also a thing about like how she tried to start this race war and Uh then the Sabat show up and then everybody's like, well, guess we'll fight together. And it's like, "Mm, the guy is still a Confederate, though. He's still a Confederate war general. (laughs) Also, we don't know if that other general guy ever came out of the statue. he's definitely still in that statue, Yeah, I wouldn't. I'd be like, oh, fuck. I better keep pretending to be statue. Whenever they get to the Malkavian (laughs) book, it's going to be that dude. It's going to be, he's like, and I finally came out of the statue. (laughs) Oh, my God, yes. I've been here for days. They've moved me back to the museum. (laughs) Just biding my time, making sure the Sabat are gone. Making sure all clear. Um, so Victoria survives Leopold gets thrown out a window uh, but conveniently when he lands he lands in Vagel's pile of blood and eyeball uh, he, he he awakens to the taste of Vagel's blood in his mouth and also literal eyeball in his mouth he, he's got Vagel's eyeball he's eating it he spits it out and he's like oh yep that's an eye. That's what Vagel should have done with the other eyeball. <laughs> Put it in his mouth? Eat it. Oh, yeah. They're not yeah. going to find it. <laughs> <laughs> what is a better hi- If you think I'm looking for an eye, first place you think to check, eye socket. Last eye socket. thing you p- think to check, stomach. Why would an eye be there? <laughs> Why would a fake eye be in someone's stomach? That is... Excellent questions, all of them. I don't know if it's a fake eye. I think it is the dude's eye. I think it's because there's a scene where it cuts to, like, a guy under the earth. I think that's the guy whose eye it is. I think it's a real eye. Oh, okay, so it's someone's actual eye. I think so. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. They didn't really describe it other than to say it was an artifact. Yeah. I felt like Um, it was, like, a situation of, like, that eye... That dude is, like, one of the really powerful old vampires, and he's just chilling under the earth, and he has, like, the eyeball. Like, if someone puts it in their eye socket, he can, like, overtake them. That's where I feel like it's going, but I could be wrong. (laughs) It was just waiting to be awoken. Mm -hmm. So Leopold's like, mmm, this blood, it tastes so good. Why do you think it tastes good? And he's like, oh, because it's a vampire's blood. Um, So the thing about if you drink... From a kindred, it's it's really frowned upon because only, like certain certain clans or certain sects of vampires do this, where they they drain a vampire and they gain its power because then you have the blood of an older generation running through your veins, so you 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 basically become older or you, just you did evolve yes you did evolve into your final form, yes, um so. Leopold's like, man, I I thought it was weird to drink kindred blood before, but now that I've had a taste for it, I like it. I'm into this. He sees he sees Vagel with the weird eyeball in his socket, and he pulls it out. And instead of like he like kind of looks at the eye, he's like, mm, okay, I wonder what this is. But then he he just full on like tongues Vagel's eye socket and gets all the blood out of his body. And and the book kind of ends with Leopold being like, I am now more powerful, Leopold. And he walks away with, with the eyeball. 
could that be what this book is setting up now is that I don't think this is how it's going to go, but kind of the thing I suggested of like, oh, the vampire that needs a clan, like trying all the different clans. Leopold just drinks from a different clan each book. <laughs> he comes the, the uber kindred. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and this whole book series is following fucking Leopold. God, that would be so miserable. <laughs> He's just the worst. He's just so Oedipal. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, Leopold Ugh. is almost like a, what is it, an anagram of Oedipal. Almost. I mean, there's a lot of the same sounds in there for sure. A lot of the same sounds. <laughs> a lot of the same letters. <laughs> <laughs> um, Awesome. That was this book. That was this book. I, you know, I'm sorry. Just it really, we tried, but not a lot happened. Mm-hmm. I think, I'm so sorry. <laughs> you know, we explained the entire uh-huh. world of vampire the masquerade perfectly so absolutely perfectly you you are now having listened to this are a certified expert in vampire the masquerade what uh, i would really like <laughs> is for a group of people who have never played vampire the masquerade to get together and listen mm-hmm. to this podcast and then play and then vampire play. the masquerade based on <laughs> us explaining this book that kind of absolutely. explains vampire the masquerade Absolutely. Please do that and let us know Please. what the results are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So moving forward, uh, <laughs> what do we want out of this unit? Plot? A plot, plot would be good. would be good, yes. I think, obviously, we have to read a book in a system that we've played. Spoilers for yes. uh, future yes. episodes, probably. And, yeah, see how big of a difference we feel that is mm-hmm. and then probably swing back to a system we haven't played before yeah. you know just maybe just to round it out we definitely don't have this all planned out or anything <laughs> for once i mean lives. we don't we don't though we don't have a third book picked out oh that's true we don't but we kind of know what we're doing we tried we tried for a long time and just couldn't decide <laughs> so look forward to that i suppose yes um next week we will be back with a Meow Meow Monday with mm. Warrior Cats number three, uh, Warriors number three, Forest of Secrets. Ooh. I know, right? Um, and then, I've forgotten what happens in the first two Great. Books. Perfect. <laughs> Should be good. Uh, the, re- the week after that, we will be reading the second book in our Clean Romance series. Anna, yes. what are we reading? Well, uh, I kind of wanted to hit a variety mm. of clean romance novels. I can't promise. Again, I'm not pre-reading these because that sounds like hell. So I can't. I don't know exactly how the clean part of this uh, will will come into play, though. I have hopes. We're going to be reading the 1979 historical no oh fuck we're gonna be reading the 1979 western marriage of convenience classic Mm. love comes softly by Jeanette oak also christian that sounds delightful i'm glad definitely thought this was a mail order bride book i'm sorry (laughs) looking for a mail order bride book i mean Uh, i've read mail order bride books before but there's always sex in them so <laughs> mm, okay so maybe you know it's like an arranged marriage trope but for the old west you know like, yeah yeah because you you basically pick her out of a catalog uh-huh. and she comes to you from the city yeah, yeah exactly yeah perfect love it uh, awesome <laughs> but this is not that this is just a marriage of convenience yes and then does involve a pregnant woman huh so can't be that clean there had to <laughs> <laughs> There was sex at some point in this character's past. That's the most fucked up thing someone could say about a pregnant woman. Oh, yeah. It's not she clean can't romance. be that clean. She can't be that clean. Look at her. Look at her. The proof of it oh, right there no. in her belly. I'm sorry. I apologize to the world. I'm sorry. I'm also looking. I'm at the Goodreads page, and it says readers also enjoyed. This book is simply called The Shunning. Oh, no. (laughs) Could that be the non-clean Amish romance we're looking for? Ah. Ah. 
Oh, probably not. No, no I'm just so. gonna make. I'm just gonna take a stab <laughs> at it based on the author picture. No. Dang. It. <laughs> well, one day we'll we'll find it. <laughs> one day we'll find that really horny Amish romance we always <laughs> desired. Hmm. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful things to look forward to. Um, in the meantime, though, if you have a book or a unit you want us to cover on the podcast, either because you would love it, nope, other because you think we would love it or hate it, you can tweet at us at ShelfAwareCast or email us ShelfAwareCast at gmail.com. As always, thank you to Ben Cope for the use of our theme song. You can check out his YouTube channel in our show notes below. We are also on all of your favorite podcast aggregating platforms. So if you haven't followed or subscribed to us on one of those, you definitely should. Otherwise, I am going to I'm going to meld my body with a statue in your home. And when you least expect it, I'm gonna jump out at you and be like, subscribe and then leave. If you use Apple Podcasts or Spotify, we'd very much appreciate a five-star review. But if you don't, that's all right, because you are allowed to talk about us anywhere on the internet you would like. Um, In the words of Stuart Wick, sorry, like some of the girls, or perhaps they were women already, Leopold found that he was already losing the ability to guess the age of a human. Leopold, Leopold, that's a very important distinction to make when you are bringing women home to, to nude with models you for sex and drink from their thigh <laughs> leopold please please do not ask young girls to pose naked for you leopold 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 check ids please <laughs> leopold <laughs> But I, do need I probably to say, do. I do need to Le- say, and I'll yeah. put this in the stinger or something. There was another Toreador in this novel, but obviously so unimpactful that <laughs> neither we, of us remembered. Because there was Cindy, that one, that one girl. Oh, was like, that Cindy, that bitch. Cindy, that bitch who wanted to be pretty, pretty princess of the Toreador, but couldn't because she was a baby. <laughs> so apologies to Cindy. Hashtag Cindy did nothing wrong. Well, yeah. She was a scheming, though. Well, everyone's a scheming. It's vampire yeah, times. It's, it's what you do when you're a vampire. <laughs> you scheme.